This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. I can match your volume. Can you match up here? Yes. <laughs> I was going to sing, but you don't. Uh, you don't want that. I just don't want... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Was oh, the- yes, you do. <laughs> don't make me sing. I'm mad at it. <laughs> Elvis is getting the fuck out of Everyone's here. Everyone's a good singer when you sing like that. That's when you true. sing like a jingle singer, you're good. Watch your hand on the... Oh, shit. You're already doing it. Okay. Maybe we should get, like, mic stands. Hold the mic like Marilyn McCoo. Who's that? The host of Solid Gold. You're too young. I get I get what you mean, but I don't know who. It's Dionne Warwick held yes. it like this, too. You're just pinching it. That's what I got. Guys, are we on? Oh, that whole thing was the opening of oh, the show. Oh, good, good. For sure. Quality. That's quality shit right Maybe there. don't... We're trying to make sure that our mics... Or that the sound quality is legit. What do I sound like here? You sound amazing. Maybe don't, maybe let's not, let's try not to touch the cord. Jesus. Too. So I know. Many rules this week. Maybe don't get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please sit up straight? Yeah. Maybe stand on one foot. Um, I was definitely way too loud at the beginning of last episode. I've never noticed that. Uh, I cried in my car because it what? sounded so obnoxious, but I did. That was the day I had. A pour over coffee oh cold, cold brew coffee oh, fuck cold brew i think maybe a little lower okay because you look so uncomfortable right I'm, now. i am uncomfortable <laughs> hang out <sighs> i've never noticed a weird like i've never noticed it weird but i'm busy laughing my ass off at us <laughs> when i listen <laughs> so you look so uncomfortable get comfortable just be aware i think you're fine okay yeah guys how's everyone happy let's okay say so we're gonna we're gonna take that whole part off no we're not <laughs> Welcome to my favorite murder. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Behind the crime scene. It's the... <laughs> this is the director's cut of my favorite murder. You know, remember a minute ago, I, I wrote something down and I was like cracking myself up yeah. by it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what it was? Yes. Okay. Because... Uh, oh, well, I guess we should introduce the show. You just did it. I did. I did. Yeah. And they know our name. I'm I'm Karen Kilgariff. Yeah, that's the voice you're listening to right now is Karen Kilgariff. But like, I think you have like a gravelly, sexy voice. Yeah, I was trying to make it sound kind of sexy. <laughs> you stay sexy. Yeah. And I try not to get murdered. Right. And you have, have, you have this, a murder voice. <laughs> I fucking, my voice, man. I sound like a cartoon character. <laughs> like a bull, like the like female bully cartoon character. Be careful of what you say because our voices sound very similar. They totally People talk about it don't. all the time. I know, but people have a hard time. I appreciate that. Okay, so I was gonna say we should we have to do um, what's it called when you like do a wrap up of the, in the beginning? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. But I said maybe we should, instead we should call it crime scene cleanup. <laughs> That's what That's made what me made laugh, laugh so hard. Huh? It's, well, you know, it's, it? this is the problem of having self esteem. Is you just think you're very <laughs> funny. Yeah, time. you're getting a real big head. <laughs> It's, there's so many problems with having self-esteem right this is one of it's them just it's a spiral of liking yourself and it's <laughs> disgusting it is it never goes well no you need an intervention eventually you are definitely driving toward a brick wall <laughs> but i'm but i think I, i'm doing a great job driving that car that's right you're like check this out i'm i'm shifting into third boom reality yeah, hits but i am good at stick shift me too my yeah. father taught us it was very important that we learned yes. how to drive a stick, not lug the engine, not grind the gears. It was very important to him. I don't even know what any of that means because I never did it. 
No, that's not true. I used to grind the shit out of that thing. But I knew how to right? drive it. Well, that's good. Yeah, I think that's such a badass lady thing to know. You know what? It's actually a prerequisite because then any situation that you're in, it if you get into a car, it doesn't matter what car it is. You should also learn how to hotwire cars. You always have a way out. Well, here's another thing. Did you watch the, mo- the, sh- the movie... Um, with um here I go again. No, with, you got it. Um with um Kirsten Dunst where it's the end of the world. Yes. Okay, so like none of the cars start anymore because they're all electronic and computerized. And so once that shit cuts out, you're gonna have to fucking hotwire a seventy two Datsun That's right. and get the fuck out of there. And you guess know, what? It's stick shift. It's stick shift. If you get on a hill you don't have to hotwire it. You take that emergency brake off. You throw it into second. Ooh, you rev it. You start rolling down the hill and you pop it into gear and it will go. I used to drive it, have a little Vespa and you'd have to do that all the run, like give it a running start. Yep. Which was terrifying. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you got it. Standard shift, everybody. This got to learn it. An end of the world podcast. Also, it's much easier. It's one of those things where like, you know, when you were little and you didn't know how to tell time and you're like, this is impossible. I'm never going to learn it. When I was little. You mean <laughs> recently? It just takes me an extra beat. Yeah, you gotta like, think. It's a thinker. Yeah. You gotta think about it. But yeah. driving a stick shift, it's an H shape, H formation. Yeah. First gear, top of the H, second gear, bottom of the first stick of the H. The middle part is neutral. Then you're going into third over at the top of the second stick. But you know what? When it comes down to it, I mean, if you're getting, if you need to get the fuck out of there, burn up that first gear and just fucking just go, just go. Throw it into second because actually you can lug it a little bit in second. You can, but you get, you can get more speed. (laughs) This is a very real thing I have pictured in my mind right now. This is, I feel like we're helping one person every time we do. Every time, but also just get some like dude yeah. who might even like you a little bit, who would be willing to spend a half an hour in the CVS parking lot with you and just drive a stick shift sure. around. Ten minutes of that is giving him a hand job as a thank you. Yeah, it's you. It's just your hand. Yeah, ew. gross. Um, that's disgusting. No, I mean you, gross. What's wrong with you? That <laughs> useless. All of that should get cut out for sure. <laughs> okay, now starting now. Okay. Hi, welcome to my favorite. Murder. <laughs> we're the worst people. Stupid. No, we're the best people. We're the Look, okay. we're just trying to help you and relax House. after a long day of, sure. of work. Yeah, we're doing it. I don't work, but we're doing it. <laughs> you do. I kind of work. I had therapy today. Oh, that's work. It is. How was it? Great. My new therapist is, I guess she's not new anymore, but uh, you know, when you, the, the times I'm be- like, my therapy is the best is when I go in there being like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about today. I'm doing great. Yes. Like I'm feeling good. To, like, I don't have a thing to like bring to her. And then it's like the best day of therapy. Yes. Because it kind of blindsides you. Yeah. Something comes out and then you're like, holy shit. Because it can lead anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's As tr- opposed to like, here's this problem. Right. I need you to help me walk through it. Right. It's like, it's the background to what, to when you do bring her a problem, she's going to be like, here are the little things you've already told me when we didn't have anything to talk about. That are that are the reason you're doing this fucking thing. Also, things can dawn on you when you have yes. days like that where you're talking and then you go, wait a second, that's why I got that so happened. upset. For real? Yes. You can't. I was just going to say, what was it? It was all <laughs> sex stuff. So I, I'll tell you after about the fucked up porn I'm into. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. Is this our rated X? We haven't really gone into sex that much personally on this on this podcast. I feel like that is not a necessary thing. That's not our area. I feel like there's probably plenty of podcasts that do that. Even yeah. that hand job joke was very off color for us. There's got to be high schoolers listening to this. In which oh, case they like, love hand job jokes, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, so they do. know what hand jobs are. That's are you kidding do we, me? I don't fucking. They're like Snapchatting them left, right, and center. It's <laughs> all they do all day. Um, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Okay, we have t-shirts available at myfavoritemurdershirts.com. They're only available till June first. At which point, they're, the orders are going to be fulfilled, and then we're going to come out with a new shirt probably like the beginning of July. But this is the last time for the time being that you'll be able to get this shirt. Yeah. So you should go get one. We promise that the first person we see wearing the shirt, we will hug and then murder because wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. That's the ultimate prize. Right. Uh, and then uh, 
Uh, I'm feeling a little emotional recoil from telling my period story. I think it was a mistake. We can cut it out, so stop talking about it. Okay, bye. Because <laughs> <laughs> then there's going to be no like recall. I'm like, oh, actually, let's leave that part in. Because they'll know they fucking missed, and they're going to be like, what is she talking about? You guys missed. Okay. Oh, I, one more piece of housekeeping. Um... I have a comedy show at the Improv Lab, which is in Hollywood. At the Improv, there's a they have a smaller room next to the main room called the Lab. And uh, Wednesday, June 8th at 10 p.m., mine and April Richardson's show, Business Class. She's a will, friend of the show. We will love be her. There. You you might know her from Go Bayside, the great podcast, Go Bayside. Uh, we have a comedy show there. And so come to that if you feel like it. We would love to have you. Um it's super fun and it's just a bunch of different people. I know Guy Branham's going to do it. Jay Weingarten's going to do it. Um, Chris Fairbanks is on it. I believe Jamie Lee, uh, from Girl Code will lovely, be there. Lovely. And, uh, and I'm going to come. It's my birthday. And it's I'm George's gonna, birthday that okay, night. Be in the audience. Please don't kill me. <clears throat> if you're around, don't kill Georgia during my show. I'll get really mad at you. Has anyone, yeah. And my tombstone saying June 8th to June 8th. Oh, that would be cool, though. But not this year. Shut up. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's a boring year. It's, I it's 36. Your, I like, thought your point was different. No, it was don't do that. Sorry, I misunderstood. <laughs> I got to get back on, on, on your wavelength. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. You guys missed a great period story. Oh, shit, guys. Um, it was disgusting. Should we get into... The murder. Favorite murder. Oh, sorry. I don't know how to sing, as I <laughs> mentioned earlier. They didn't know that was... Oh, oh, here we go. Guys. Here we go. I'm going first this week. I think you're first. I think I am. I'm going to get cuddled in. Yeah. So I'm going to have this half a glass of whiskey I've drink some of your drank. whiskey I wish I could I drank all mine already <laughs> before uh, you were 30 it was up yeah in 1997 I had my last <laughs> shit god I was good at it my therapist told me that we're doing an experiment where I'm drinking two glasses of booze a day just to see how it goes so I'm allowed to have two 
glasses of booze a day. Oh, that's not, no more, no less. Yeah, we're just like seeing how this goes. So it's almost what like, you, what if you don't feel like it? Oh no, then I still have to you force it down. Yeah, and this is clearly like this was two glasses of whiskey and one big cup. Oh, that's fun. Does that count as one? It does to me. If, and there you go. If I was your therapist, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> um, I had this realization. Uh, when I was trying to think of this week's, there's so many good cases mm. and there's so many people who are very passionate about the cases that are their stories or just ones they like or think are fascinating. Um, there was a guy that tweeted me a case. His at his Twitter handle was at Arkansas. So it was almost like Arkansas lawyer. And it was a case of a guy. I think his name was Bobby Lee Foster or Bobby Joe Foster who killed his own mother, Edna and decapitated her and put the head in the local church and then took the eyes and mailed them to Eisenhower. <laughs> it, what it, in the actual fuck? Yeah, it was crazy. But, um, uh, so I was kind of into that. Thank you for sending that. I love it. I mean, you know, but I had a realization that when we were talking about our kickoff murders, um, the ones that got us kind of into it, I realized that factually and date wise, I had an earlier one than Diane Towns and it, it, because it happened in the Bay area. Um, and it's this Lawrence Singleton attack on Mary Vincent, uh, and later murder of, um, so uh, I'll just tell you about yeah. it. Um, let's, get, let's unpack. Let's unpack this. It happened in 1978. So I was eight years old. And this was on the news. It was like in 1979 is when he went to trial and all this stuff happened. And it was on the news every night. My parents were livid. They talked about it all the time. So you must have just been, you were there too. Yes, because it was, we watched the news together as a family every night Ugh, before dinner. I feel like there's nothing more harmful for a kid. Than I, yeah, the no news. one knew. I know. It was back, this was the late 70s where no one knew what was good or bad for children. Totally. It was all just like, eat your cereal, go outside, try to survive, come home, and then we'll watch the news together. It was a generation away from children, after children being coal miners. Yes, you know? Exactly. It was like, it was that weird time in between coal mining and children being carried their entire lives until they get to college. Right. Essentially. So I'm the last, of the last of that generation. I lived. So here's the story. On September 29th, 1978, a man named Lawrence Singleton, who was a merchant seaman, always a bad job. Dude. That Richard Speck was a merchant seaman. Oh, really? Yeah. There, it's bad news. I think it's what happens when you're like super fucked up, and you, but you're so fucked up, you don't want to join the army. Right. So you're like, oh, I'll go out on a ship for a while with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Um, so he picked up a 15-year-old hitchhiker named Mary Vincent in Berkeley, California. Honey. Mary had run away from home. Uh, she lived in Las Vegas. Her parents were getting divorced. It was all fucked up. And she had friends in the Bay Area and relatives. So she um, made her way up to the Bay Area. But she was homesick and she'd been on her own for a while. She had a boyfriend that was bad to her. She, she left him, ran away. She just wanted to get back home. Sweetie. So she um, is hitchhiking in Berkeley. And a van pulls up. And there are two people hitchhiking behind her. Now, oh, just so you know, there's Mary Vincent herself tells this story on an episode of I Survived. It was season four, episode one. Wow. And it is epic. I know you don't like survivors. I fucking love survivors and things like this where you get the firsthand account of something. This story is also insanely fucked up. I guess if there, if she's, it's been that long, I can yes. deal with it. Right. And she's, in, it's when they can tell their own story. They're not, you yeah. know, that, that they're able, they're in charge of this narrative and they can tell you what happened. And yeah. yeah. And like when it's a grizzled fucking bartender, like cafe waitress and she's like, this, this is what fucking happened to me. I can deal with it. But when it's like some like college girl who's, life no. is ruined no you well because here's the thing the saddest part about it but the truest part about it is it happens to a lot of people yes so when you have one woman sitting there going right. a b it, it, here's what happened to me a b c and d you not only get the don't fucking hitchhike keep your eyes open pick up on context clues you have all that but you also have survive yep. and you can survive and you can come out the other end right. and help other people and it's okay to it's okay to tell your story like you don't have to keep this huge secret there's other people who have been through similar or worse yeah and, and you have to tell your story yeah. it's part that's part of healing right so so a lot of what i have here is basically her firsthand account holy shit so 
the van pulls up and there's two hitchhikers behind her in Berkeley 78. Uh, and the guy that's driving the van says he only has room for one person and says it's Mary. Well, the two hitchhikers behind her go, don't get in that van because they can see into the back of the van. The whole thing's empty. There's plenty of room. But if a person's right. saying he only has room for the young girl, they go, don't take that ride. But she was so tired. She just wanted to get home. So she was like, and he looked like a grandfather. Oh, really? Yes. He's this big pot bellied kind of grizzly old guy. He was like in his uh, mid sixties at the time. So she's like, what's that guy going to do? Yeah. So she gets in and she's really tired. She's been walking and hitchhiking for a long time. So she says, I'm, I'm trying to go back home to Las Vegas. He says, I'll give you, I'm going to Reno, but I'll give you a ride to Los Angeles, which is that, that right there. What? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Why? So she, uh, settles in and she falls asleep. Don't do it. Don't do it. She wakes up and they have gone east and not south. When she finally sees a sign, they're somewhere out in Patterson. They're somewhere out by Modesto. They're, they're on the other side of the five. Um, there's a lot of, for people not from here, there's a lot, especially in the 70s, there's a lot of no man's land. Yes. A lot of, especially in the uh, Central Valley, which is where he drove her out to. It's just all empty, rural farmland, mm -hmm. roads, little hills with an oak tree on top. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so she notices that they're going east. She freaks out, confronts him, says, what the hell are you doing? He says, I'm sorry, I'm an honest man. I made an honest, honest mistake. Let me just turn around. He pulls around. He turns around, starts going down the road. And he says, sorry, I have to go. I have to relieve myself. He pulls the van over. She's getting nervous. She realizes this, this is now a bad situation. It's, it's nighttime. He's down relieving himself. And she looks down and realizes one of her shoes untied. And she thinks to herself, if I have to run for some reason, and I could outrun this old fat guy, but if I have to do it, her, she's like, I got to tie my shoe. So she gets out of the van too. She bends over to tie her shoe and she blacks out. He hit her in the head with a sledgehammer. She wakes up. She's tied up in the back of the van. After a sledgehammer hit, she wakes up? She wakes up. So he just conks her out. Yeah, she doesn't like, thank God she didn't yeah. die. She's when she wakes up, she's tied up and she's oh. naked. Oh, fuck. And he starts raping her. Oh, he fuck. rapes her all night and into the morning. And the whole time she's, of course, crying. She's 15 years old, crying, whatever, and saying, just set me free, please. I won't tell anyone. Just set me free. Sometime in the morning when he's finally done, he pulls her out of the van, unties her and says, you want to be set free? I'll set you free. Picks up a hatchet. No. Out of the back of the van. No. Cuts off her left arm. She's screaming below the elbow. She's screaming, Fuck. freaking out, going crazy. She grabs him Holy with her right arm, going, ah, freaking out. He takes the hatchet and he starts hacking off her right arm. What the? But this weird, the craziest thing to me is as you're telling this, I'm like reminding myself that she survived, but it doesn't fucking sound like I she's know, going to. I know. It's, it's crazy. So she is holding on to him, but she falls backwards anyway. And that's when she realizes that her right hand has been, her right arm has been chopped oh off. Oh my God. So she's all, of course, in total shock, confused, losing blood, looking. And this is the most fucked up part of her story. There's more fucked up than that. This is, it go, it peaks in fucked upness right here. Oh, holy shit. She sees him. She's looking and like, she can't understand what just happened. And she's looking at him and he is flicking his arm like this. He's flicking his arm out. <gasps> yes. No. She looks and her right hand is still holding on to his arm. Oh my God. Fucking. Ew, I just got, I gave myself chills and I know this story. Because you had your hand in like a I claw did. just I now. did it. So she passes out. Or she like kind of goes limp. Sure. She's bleeding, obviously, profusely. Losing blood, lightheaded, laying on the ground. So she just goes limp because she just doesn't know what to do. This, no. She's now in the presence of a monster. He thinks she's dying or dead. Yeah. He drags her body over to the railing. And throws her over a 30-foot cliff. Mm. On the way down, she breaks four ribs. And he drives away. 
Now, later on, when the police catch him, which they, I'll just let you off the hook now, the police, ca- police catch him. And they put together that the reason he did that is because he thought she'd be dead and they di- he didn't want them to be able to um, get kind her fingerprints. What? Did they? Okay. Who found her? How did they, she get found? I tell you now. Please. So she's down in this fucking ravine and she's laying there and she's losing blood like crazy and she wants to go to sleep. But she said that there is a voice in her head saying, you cannot go to sleep. You have to get up so they can catch this guy. So she puts her bloody stumps in the dirt and the, and makes a mud pack. So she stops losing blood. Oh my God. Uh On both, on both arms. And then she starts crawling back up the ravine, 30 feet. It takes her all night. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the morning. He dumped her over in the morning. Mm-hmm. So she crawls back up the ravine. It, it, it takes her all day. She finally gets up to the top of the ravine and back onto the road at night. And then she starts walking. Naked, covered in blood, with two stump arms. She walked for three miles. Oh, my God. The first car that came up was two dudes in a convertible and they saw her and they fucking sped away. Nope. Yep. Yes. And she said herself in this, I survived. She goes, I looked like something out of a horror movie. She's like, I didn't blame them at all because she, it it was, I mean, beyond something you'd see in a horror movie. Yeah. And on an, on a, a far yeah. away, like a, a de- deserted road in the middle of the night where there's no, this is out, um, where there's no street lights. There's, you're, it, like, she said she was walking by the light of the moon. It was totally And in my mind, black. too, it's like these two dudes are married men and they're gay lovers and they're, they, <laughs> they're like on a clandestine, you know, romance thing. And if they stop to help her, they have to call the cops. They're going to get caught together. Yep. That's just in my head. That's like, that's, very plausible. So, like, hopefully these aren't monsters. These the, I mean, uh, here's what I'm sure of. They carry it with them to oh, this day. Fuck. Yes, they Imagine do. Imagine leaving a person like and that. And then they read the na- newspaper the next day. And, and they're they like, realize. look what we did. And she could have died. They so, could have saved her and then she could have died. But here's who did save her. Who? She walks a little further. A couple who was on their honeymoon. Oh, no, no, no. Who took the wrong exit. And is driving around trying to get back to the I-5. Oh, which is close enough so that Mary heard the the noise of the wow. I-5 all, all day and was like, I just have to get back up because there will be someone if I walk toward that sound. So that's how she guided herself back toward civilization. These These people grab her, put her in the back of the truck and say, we're going to get you help. And she said she heard them speeding so fast. She could hear the tire, tire screeching. They get to a phone. Can I say real quick? Yes. What half the people listening that the murderinos. Yeah. Dream honeymoon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like what are you else are you going to do? Fucking play Can, canasta. Well, because imagine you, you're like, Oh, I've married. I love him so much. Yeah. He's the man for me. Now, if the man for you was one of those guys in that convertible right. who was like, we have to get out of here. You'd be like, you get out of my life forever. Yeah, I bet they're still together. A hundred percent. Yeah. They get her. They get to that payphone. They call and they airlift her to the hospital. Oh, you So it wasn't even an ambulance situation. They were like straight in. So. Oh, honey. The, the relief she must have felt. Oh, my God. To be in. To be oh. saved. So. She. Sorry. I'm on the next page already. Um, Cause you're, by the way, I want everyone to know you're like fucking telling this. You're not even looking at your notes because like, this, uh, because I remember this happening when I was little. Holy shit. And my, I remember my mother being so livid and she would talk about Lawrence Singleton, this disgusting piece of shit. She would talk about him all the time. Well, cause I'll get into it. I have was to go she, Was all this was all these, de- were all these details on the news? No, but it was, it was a man who raped a girl, chopped her arms off and threw her into a ditch. That's enough. That was plenty. Yeah. Because you can't, that's when it was like, oh my God, that could happen. Totally. That's real. Even the word rape. Like you don't even talk about like couples in, in fucking sitcoms didn't sleep in the same bed. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, I'm not from the fifties, Georgia. Oh my I God. Mean, I mean that the Brady Bunch was the, 
<laughs> so, oh my god! So she lost over half the blood in her body. Wow! Uh, but it, from her hospital bed, she described a picture of him so accurately to the p- police sketch artist that Lawrence Singleton's next door neighbor saw it <gasps> and immediately called the police. And even though she was friends with him and like knew him for years, she was like, that's Lawrence Singleton. That's my next door neighbor. She's one of us. So yes, exactly. So, and I have, do have to say this in the article that I found that it, a piece of information from for some reason in the line, it said housewife and bowling expert. <laughs> Wow. I want <laughs> her life. Really, they really described her to a T. I really anyway, I want that life. That's a that's a pretty good life. Yeah. Um so they arrest Larry Sing- Lawrence Singleton nine days later. I like to call him Larry. Larry. Um and when he was questioned, Singleton told the police that Mary was a ten dollar whore, that um that he was passed out drunk in his van and that his other friend Larry is mm-hmm. the one that attacked her. Uh-huh. And that there were two other hookers in the van at the time. Um, what a fucking monster lunatic so she testifies against him in court get a girl um with two prosthetic her two prosthetic limbs on she'd already been fitted for them she was still a teenager Um, i mean that's an that is a hard thing to do on its own now listen to this as she walks out after testifying against him he whispers to her if it's the last thing i do i'll finish the job Oh, I was hoping she'd say, motherfucker, or like something at him. No. Oh, that no. poor girl. She ran out. So in March of 1979, a, a San Diego jury convicts him of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation, and gives him Wait. the maximum sentence at the time. Can I guess? No. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just keep interrupting. No, no, no. Seven years? 14 years. For all of that, for all of those crimes combined, the maximum legal sentence was 14 years. That's like almost how old she was. Yes, that's exactly right. So um, the judge who had to pass that sentence said, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. Um, so along with the particularly gruesome and callous aspects of the crime, the case became totally notorious because he was paroled after serving eight years in prison. I just can't. Okay, so this is when shit went off because that's when it started on the news every night. This guy got paroled and it was like my parents talked about it. People talked about it in the grocery store. It was like, how is this happening? And you know what happened is in 1983, they passed a work incentive law, kind of quietly passed it so that they could reduce prison overcrowding where a day was cut off your sentence for each day that the prisoner spent working at the jail. Or you could make pot legal and get a bunch of fucking prisoners out of jail. Right, exa- that's exactly and right. And make the murderers and rapists go there for fucking ever. Why in God's name would you have a work incentive law applied to attempted murderer rapists? Well, this was back when they were like, rape, and eh. it yeah. was probably her. She probably asked for it. She yeah. was probably a $10 whore. Right. Motherfuckers. So uh, they announce that his release date this is uh, Ed Martin, who is the associate warden of the California men's colony in San Luis Obispo, where he was um, uh, uh, serving his time. Uh, his release date, Martin said, if there is continued good behavior and work and no change in his programs, will be approximately April 28th, which was eight years, four months um, of time. And everyone in the barrier went bananas. So here's what happened. They tried to parole him to Antioch, California. Mm-hmm. And the mayor protests the Department of Corrections. And uh, so acknowledging the public outcry, the C- Department of Corrections agrees not to release Singleton and Antioch. So they try to place him with relatives in Tampa, Florida. The people rise up in Tampa, Florida, and the Tampa chapter of the Guardian Angels, which was a big thing in the Whoa. 80s. Remember them? Yeah. Um, they lead these protests, and eventually the Florida officials reject the parolee. So if, they, he can't go back to t- Tampa now. If you're, if fucking, if the hell's, what is it, hell's angels? No, the guardian angels. Oh, what are they? 
they were this. Oh, they were. <laughs> they were. I thought you meant the hell's angels. Uh, hell's. It, they were basically um, when the, in the eighties when crime was crazy. It was basically at the end of the um, recession when things were kind of shitty. It was like back when New York was a total dump. The guardian angels were this group of basically. Um, what do you call them? Like, uh, like mothers against drunk driving type of thing. No, no, no. These were, uh, I can't think of the term for it. It was time, by the way, like we're not in any hurry. It will, it's just long and I just want to get through the whole thing, but nobody, uh, (laughs) thanks cocktails. Listen, take your time. Everything's fine. No, but it was the, they were like, um, when you're like a citizen that's taking law into your own hands, what are those called? Like a, um, Citizen, taking on here. <laughs> so they basically were like, we're taking back the streets. So they would go. They wore red berets and shirts that said Guardian Angels. They all knew karate. Nice. They all they were all like muscled out dudes, and they would ride the subway at night to Vigilantes. make sure that like vigilante. There it is. <laughs> um, they were they were total vigilantes, Good. and they basically were like their own gang, but a positive gang. So they just made sure like that people didn't get attacked on the subway and and. Every city started popping up with their own um, group of the guardian angels. Okay, dig it. Um, eventually, of course, they dispersed because I think they took things a little too far, right? As it usually happens. Yeah. But anyway, they did. They actually did some good stuff in the beginning, where people there were there weren't enough cops, yeah. and there was just a lot of crime. Yeah. So, uh, so he has to come back from Tampa, Florida, which is where his family was. But they Tampa was like, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. And you know, Florida's kicking out. You're probably a big, pretty big piece of shit. Um, so then he, uh, where did he go? So then they try to release him in Martinez, California, and the, and which is also in Contra Costa County. So the Contra Ca- Contra Costa County Board of Supervisors and four city council members win a temporary restraining order from a superior court judge, barring the Department of Corrections for placing Singleton anywhere in Contra Costa County. Good. So they're like, quit bringing that motherfucker back here. He's not allowed. Yeah, ain't gonna happen. So, um, so now they try to place him in San Francisco. But, uh, police chief, police chief Frank Jordan at the time, he's, um, told that, that they're gonna bring Singleton to San Francisco for a couple weeks. And San Francisco, um, wins a temporary restraining order barring him from San Francisco. So then, uh, they take him to Redwood City secretly, but reporters find out that he's there in a hotel and protesters surround the hotel and the Department of Corrections has to pull him out of this hotel um, and get him out before the protesters rip him apart. What a bummer to be one of those cops and be like, I fucking hate this yeah, guy. Yeah, you don't want to protect that no. piece of shit. So now um, a, a court of appeals overturned that restraining order saying that Contra Costa County and San Francisco couldn't have him there. So then they tried to place him in El Cerrito, but uh, which is not in Contra Costa County. That's a little bit further north, I think. But the Contra Costa County officials find out that they're going to try to place him in El Cerrito and they tell the El Cerrito they tell the press in El Cerrito. So then protests begin there. So basically now everyone's telling everybody they're trying to place this piece of shit in the North Bay and everybody. So then they try to put him in Richmond, but the mayor finds out and the officials are all like, fuck no, get him out of here. Um, then they try to bring him to a, a city called Rodeo, which I've never even heard of before. No. Um, doesn't even exist but people find out and a mob of 500 people gathers around this apartment and uh they actually have to take him out in a bulletproof vest and he's escorted out of town by the sheriff's department Holy shit. so it was this is kind of that thing where yes this is the kind of the worst story ever but also the greatest story ever we're like just the citizens were like no dude like maybe that maybe legislature says what that you can get out of jail but we say no so they move him to concord 175 people gather at the hotel where they're keeping him there finally the governor says put a trailer on the grounds of san quentin and he can live there until his parole is over love it jerry brown uh george duke major all right um, so that's what he has to do. He has to live wow. on the grounds of San Quentin until his one year parole is up. Then he's free to go wherever yeah. he wants. And they don't even, they're not even a track. Well, then there's just kind of nothing they can do because nothing's in the system about him. Mm. So he goes back to Florida. Um, and 
when he gets there, they find out that he's there. People protest. A car dealer offered him $5,000 to leave the state. <laughs> and a homemade bomb was detonated near uh, the house that he was staying in, Even th- but no one was injured, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. In 1997, a neighbor calls the police after seeing Lawrence Singleton attacking a woman in his home. And when the police arrive, they find the body of 31-year-old mother of three, Roxanne Hines. Fuck. She's also a sex worker, but I wanted to say the mother of three part first so that people care. Yeah. So that they know that she was so hard up for money. That to- financial problems made it so that she had to do this. Right. And then uh, she got stabbed 12 times in the oh. face and <gasps> chest by this piece of shit. <sighs> And he, when he answered the door, he answered the door to the cops with his shirt open and blood all over his chest. How, so they. How many cold cases are, can be attributed to him? Like, so, there's no way that it was one in 78. And- no, well, they say that the reason that he got parole the way he, early like that was because he didn't have, he didn't have, um. Priors. A, yeah, he didn't have, which is not to say he didn't do anything, right. but that he didn't, he didn't have a record. Still, I think. Cutting off a girl's arms and leaving her for dead is like worse than your prior for like aggravated assault or whatever. And I think you're right. It's not, that's not a first crime. No. At all. Especially when you're 60, you know, like you're starting, you know? Yeah, no way. Yeah. Okay. So Mary Vincent goes to Tampa to, to, uh, appear at his sentencing Good and her. tells her whole fucking story. She describes her whole attack, the whole, the, the toll that the ordeal has taken on her whole life, yeah. because of course it's been, you know, t- t- a terror. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's gotten her life together a little bit, but of course she just lives in constant fear sure. when he, she was, when he was paroled, like she was doing fine <laughs> and going to art school in the Can Pacific Northwest. Imagine? Then he got paroled and she fell apart. As, of course. as he said to her, as she left the courtroom, I'm going to finish this. If it takes the rest of my life, I'll finish the job. Like, yeah. Why isn't that considered when he's, when they they think he's going out for parole? So, uh, the jury deliberated for one hour and he was sentenced to death because (laughs) good old Florida. Good. So, um, unfortunately he died of cancer in the prison hospital, um, instead of being, uh, fried. We're very, we're being very vicious in this. We really um, are. In this one. But, uh, his, apparently what he said in, uh, when he was sentenced, he said he did, he denied mutilating Mary Vincent. He but still not, denied it. Not killing her, just mutilating her? No, no, no. Mary Vincent is the girl oh, whose arms he chopped sorry. off. Yes. He denies doing that. But he said about the stabbing of Hayes, I'm sorry about the death in this case. I'll have to carry it on my conscience the rest of my life. The death. The death and the narcissistic move of this is sad for me. On me. The Diane Downs move. Um, So just to wrap it, Mary Vincent did win a $2.56 million civil judgment against Singleton, but she couldn't collect because he was unemployed in poor health and only had $200 in savings. Of course not. So she did eventually get married. She moved to Orange County. Um, she has two sons and she started the Mary Vincent Foundation to help victims of traumatic crime. Oh, sweetie. Yeah. Oh, that poor girl. Isn't it crazy that like she would have been better off stealing a car and getting a misdemeanor mm-hmm. than, than hitchhiking? You can't trust old men that look like grandfathers. <laughs> and here's another thing I was thinking about, like... When he, she had a bad feeling, he stopped to pee and get out of the car. The, the thing about that is, is like, if you have a bad feeling, do what you need to do and apologize for it later. Like, steal the car and drive the fuck off. Apologize later if it turns out he wasn't going to kill you. Right. Trust your gut. Yeah. If you have to blow some guy off at a bar because he's giving you the creeps, but you don't want to be rude, blow him off and apologize later if it turns out that he wasn't a creep. Because if he's not a creep, it won't be a problem later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. I know. It's crazy. And if you want to see it, you can can watch on I Survived Mary Vincent tell that story herself. I might have to start watching that. The thing is about true crime shows is that I really don't like um, reenactments. There's no reenactments oh, in this. Okay. It's the people telling their story and they do, they start the a segment with a picture of oh, where no. it actually happened. Yeah. And it's all straight to camera storytelling. Okay. It's pretty brilliantly produced. That's why that. I like it. No, I did that. I could totally do that. Yeah. 
Whew. Yeah, I know. That was a big one. Yeah. <sighs> Let's all take a, a collective breath. Yeah. Anyone needs to use the bathroom, go use it now. <laughs> Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Um, all right. My favorite murder. Okay, so I was uh, scrolling through the Wikipedia page of mysterious disappearances mm. as one does before bed. Sure. When you have insomnia. Uh-huh. And I came across a really interesting case I had never heard about. And there's so many twists and turns and weirdness about this that I was intrigued and really excited. So I'm going to tell this a little bit out of order. I'm going to leave the exciting thing to the end okay. because the, begin- the the whole thing is fucked up to begin with. So this is the murder of Sharon Marshall by Franklin Delano, Franklin Delano Roosevelt Floyd, which is like, <laughs> no wonder you're a murderer. Parents He's so close. It's almost like making sure your kid's a narcissist by naming him almost after a president. Yeah. All right. So in 1962, this guy, Franklin Delano Floyd, was 19 years old. It's the worst name. It's the worst name. (laughs) Let's just call him Floyd. Was convicted of abducting and sexually molesting a four-year-old girl in Georgia. Yeah. Piece of shit. Disgusting. He received a lengthy prison sentence. And within one year, he'd escaped the prison, robbed a bank, um, was arrested. He served 10 years, released on parole because apparently four is not young enough to be a fucking in prison forever. Um, in one month of freedom, he was charged with assaulting a woman and, um, he got away. So in 1990, his wife, Sharon Marshall, was found dead in a suspicious hit and run. Mm. All right. So this is where it starts. Okay. He had sent his wife, uh, Sharon, on a late night shopping trip for baby items because they had a child together. Oh, good. Have a child with a, a baby rapist. Right. I don't know if she knew that or not. Okay. So she was murdered on her way back to the motel they were spending the night at. She appeared to be hit by a car, yet there was a blunt force trauma to the back of her head, um, enough to cause the death unrelated to the car accident. Um, so after she dies... Uh, her child, Michael Hughes, um, which Floyd was a clear suspect in, kidnapped the kid. He was two, the two-year-old son, Michael Hughes. I'm sorry, that's not true. He put their two-year-old son into foster care and fucking hightailed it out of there because he was a suspect. The kid goes in, uh, into foster care. The foster care parents love him and and decide to start adoption proceedings for, for him. He like thrived there. Where he got there, he was just like so developmentally de- just, uh, delayed because this guy was a piece of shit. Um, and Floyd was arrested on a parole violation. And then as part of the adoption process, the kid was, had a DNA uh, test and it was compared to Floyd's and it turns out that Floyd is not the real father to this little kid. Whoa. So when he's released from jail, he tries to regain custody and he can't because he's not the dad. Then on September 12th, 1994, 
this fucking dude comes in to the elementary school where this kid is staying, Mm-mm. holds, has a gun, takes the kid by force, gets him the fuck out of there, Ugh. steals this kid. You should see this, these photos of him. He's such a creep. Not the kid. Fucking Floyd. The dad, yeah. So two months later, Floyd is arrested in Kentucky and the kid is not with him. Hasn't been seen since. Floyd report, tells like differing stories. Some that he had drowned the kid in the motel bathroom after the kidnapping. Others uh, say that he told them that he murdered the kid in the same manner. So he had admitted that to a couple people. Another person claims he saw Floyd bury Michael's body in a cemetery, which is like, how do you witness that? And what? then you don't tell anyone till the cops. I don't know. Um, in his most recent contact with the FBI, Floyd's admitted to killing Michael by shooting him twice in the back of the head. Um, he told them where to find Michael's remains, but it's been two decades since then and they haven't found anything. So that's the story of Sharon, the mom and Michael, the kid. Okay. Super shitty all around. Yes. And so the third incident is the murder of, um, let's see, what's her first name? Shit. I don't know her first name. Oh, Cheryl Ann Camesso. So at the time of her hit and run death, Sharon is a stripper. But I mean, before I say that, I want to say that she went to um, college. She was going to be an engineer. She's a very smart person. I think something happened with her crazy husband. She's making money stripping. You know, it's not like not there's anything wrong with fucking making money stripping. And that's her career. But anyways, uh, in 1989, one of Sharon's co-workers disappears. She's 18 years old. Cheryl Ann. Um, she, Someone had witnessed a angry confrontation confrontation with Floyd. Um, and the co-worker? Yeah, Floyd and the co-worker, uh, Camesso. Cheryl, let's call her Cheryl. So Cheryl disappears in 1989. Um, Floyd and Sharon get the fuck out of town. It remains unsolved until her skeletal remains were found by a landscaper um, in Florida in 1995, and she was listed as a Jane Doe. No one knew who she was when the re- remains were identified. And then in March, a year, uh, the same year, a mechanic in Kansas finds a large envelope stuffed between the truck bed and the top of the gas tank of a truck he had recently purchased at auction. Mm-hmm. Which is like, here we go. Yeah, let's go. He finds. God, him- don't. I mean, just finding things oh. stuffed in places. My, it's my God. dream. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, where I think you can find them is when you go into like a weird bathroom and there's a, a the seat, uh, the toilet seat holder. Yeah. I think people sh- like shove drugs and money for drugs in those as like, a, I'm going to go in the bathroom and shove the drugs in there. I'm going to come out and you're going to put the money in there. But, Am I um, making that up? Because I've heard that before. You don't mean the, in the toilet tank where the water is. No, that too. But in the where the uh, where you pull the toilet seat cover off the <gasps> oh. wall. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so. behind the paper covers. Exactly. I see. I thought you meant in a, per, in a private bathroom. <laughs> no. Um, I think you meant those, those pink, the pink furry cover that like your grandma puts uh, on that matches know, the bath yeah, mat. You know when you go into a gas station and they have the pink furry cover <laughs> or like sometimes it's leopard print or red toilet. <laughs> you know, those fun, those fun gas stations. Yeah, kicky. Um, so the mechanic finds this fucking amazing find inside. He finds 97 photos in the envelope, including many photos of a woman who was bound and severely beaten. Oh no. They trace the police trace the truck back to Floyd, of course. And the investigators compared the photos of the injured woman with Camesso, as well as evidence found with her remains. And the clothing was similar to what she was wearing. There was also, um, furniture and belongings in the photos that were identified as Floyd's. And uh, the medical examiner had compared injuries seen in the photograph to the cheekbone that they had found at this DOA, I mean, this, um, this, uh, the remains Jane Doe. Jane Doe. So uh, they were consistent. She had died from a beating and two gunshots to the head. Again, two gunshots. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a pattern. A kill shot. That's the, um, was he in the army? Oh, really? Uh huh. Kill shot, huh? I didn't know about that. Uh huh. Two shots? Two to the back of the head. That's a thing? Yep. That's how you just take someone out. And then you don't even look at them in the face. Mm -mm. And well, and also just, it's for sure. So it's one, one, there is a possibility some could weirdly live. No. Two, no. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So 
he so Floyd is tried and convicted for this girl's murder. Thank God, Camessa's murder, on the based on the um, photographic evidence found in the truck. Um, other photos found in the truck, though, show sexual abuse of Marshall, who was his wife who died in the hit and run. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah, this weird thing, his wife. But the pictures start, and this is where it goes, dun, dun, is uh, uh, the pictures of Marshall and being sexually abused start at a very early age when she's in her childhood. What? Right. Okay. Sexually explicit poses of various ages, starting around four of his wife. Age four. Yeah. Of his dead, now dead wife. What the fuck is going on? Uh oh. Turns out Floyd met a divorced woman with three daughters and a son in 1974 when Sharon is like four. In the late spring of 75, Sandy, the mom, is arrested in Dallas for writing a bad check for diapers. <gasps> and some people on the internet, like, how did that happen? Did Floyd take out all the money from the a- account and send her on a shopping trip? And the check, you know, like, Ooh. maybe that's even set up. When she she's in prison for th- or jail for 30 days, while she's there, fucking Floyd disappears with all three sisters and the infant brother. Ugh. Um, he had Floyd had been left to care, which don't ever leave your children in the hands of a boyfriend. I don't care how fucking cool no. you think he is. No, don't, don't. Uh, no one with the name Floyd, <laughs> first, middle, or last. Nope. Please, no. When she's released, she sees that the fucking children are gone. Um, he had put two of the daughters in foster care. She finds them there, but the but but um, Suzanne, I'm sorry, but Sharon and the little boy are gone. And she she tries to um, file a kidnapping charge. Okay, here's the most fucked up part of the whole fucking thing. The local authorities say that as the stepfather, Floyd had a right to take the children. Hi, 1974, you fucking piece of shit. Okay. Um, So Floyd raised Sharon as his daughter since early childhood. And if you go online, you can find a photo like a portrait of him with her as like a four-year-old on his lap DNA testing to determine her paternity when after she died and covered that she was not his daughter. Um, and he gave a number of inconsistent statements regarding how she came into his custody. She, he told everyone that he had rescued her when she was abandoned by her bi- biological parents, which is probably what he told her as well. Right. Um, the problem is that the little boy was never no one knows what happened to him so it's not likely that he's doing well so the earliest known record of her after that of of uh sharon was when she was registered in 1975 in an oklahoma city high school and if you look at her high school photo she's clearly not high school age i think he was kind of trying to fudge some stuff and like she was too old she's very young she looks maybe, oh, too young yeah she looks junior high-ish so i think he was like trying to throw someone off or Something like that. Um, Try to establish her as being 18 as soon as possible. Right. And registering her under an alias. They they had a ton of aliases. Um, Let's see. So they suspect that Marshall was born, that Sharon was born in the late 60s, kidnapped between 73 and 75. Then they they leave town again. She becomes his fucking wife. Ugh. Then, I mean, it's not even, like, cool that she gets to, like, then figure out who she is. He fucking hits and runs her and kills her with a car. And wait, sorry, was that, did he do that because she, was there some overt reason? We don't know. Maybe he found out that her son wasn't his. Because go back to the kid that was in foster care, who he kidnapped at oh, school right, with a gun. Oh, right, 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 right. Turns out that the DNA testing proved that it wasn't even his kids. So, so she, she might have been sleeping with someone she else. She essentially cheated on right. this person that she didn't even want to be with right. in the first place. And maybe he was even whoring her out, like, you know, making money. Like, so we don't know what happened, but that wasn't his kid. That sounds like a pretty good motive to me. Fuck. Yeah. That's insane. Wait, what happened to him? Okay, so he's still alive. No. Yeah. He's the creepiest motherfucker you've He's ever in seen. jail, though, please. He's on death row. Thank okay, fucking God. Jesus Christ. I know. Um, he's on death row for the murder of um, the um, Camesso. 
Oh, yeah. So, thank- oh, because they found her body in those pictures. Right. So, so like- thank God, like, they weren't like, well, she was a stripper, so he only gets four years. Like, she's on, he's on death row. Um, he's still under investigation into the kidnapping of uh, her son and the mother, Sharon. Yeah. And, like, after, after Sharon died, they did DNA testing on her and found out that she was the missing child that this poor fucking woman who dated a piece of shit. Oh, my God. To help her raise four children that she was dealing with on her fucking own. And then, oh, my Lord. Yeah. I, what in the fuck? I have I mean, never heard of this before. That's crazy. And he's still alive. I st- Wait, when, so sorry, when's, like, when did she get hit by a car? She got hit by a car. When did he hit her with a car? Right. And a sledgehammer. Exactly. He, it was a hit and run in April 1990. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, like, Reese, Reese. I mean, I guess I was, for some reason, I was picturing that this was, like, the 50s. Right. Because it seemed like the kind of time you could get away. That's insanity. So, in 1990s, hit and run. Took the kid by gunpoint. These poor, you know, those poor foster parents who were trying to adopt this poor kid who was thriving in their home. They were fostering him and they wanted to adopt him because they cared about him so much and they are stuck. Well, and also this piece of shit takes him and then eventually kills him. Yeah. Like, just leave him with the foster parents. But I mean, that's like that. That's the monstrosity of whatever that guy is. Narcissism. I mean, narcissist, but just like the uh, like violent pedophile. It's yeah. like, it's like the, the highest strata of uh, in hell, basically. Yeah. A violent, uh, insane pedophile. It's so crazy. What? I mean, it's so hard to think of a brain and a thought process and a mind that deviates that far from your own. Like, I can't even picture it. It makes you wonder. I mean, can they picture what being normal is like? Are we normal? Is it, What is normal? Well, it's not that guy. No. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. That makes me want to start up a vigilante club called the New Guardian Angels. <laughs> No berets. That's not cool. No, berets are stupid. You just, I don't know. What do we that's have? We need a thing. so upsetting. Um, it's actually funny because, so I'm, I'm listening to this book on tape or this audio book that I've been listening to forever called um, No Stone Unturned about NecroSearch who uncovers clandestine graves. It's this great book about these people who, who find buried bodies and yeah. like when i'm driving in the car because i get stressed out when i drive i put that on or i put a murder podcast on and then when i forget my book or don't listen don't have time to listen to a podcast i put on like npr and then or the news and like immediately i'm like i can't this is so awful i can't deal with it <laughs> like i even fall asleep sometimes to that to like murder stuff mm-hmm. and it's i think i re- that i think that's part of realizing um, why I love murder and these stories so much is that the real world and what's really happening and what I have absolutely no control over is so terrifying and there's no control, but yeah. you can not walk alone at night. You can, you know, carry pepper spray with you. You can make sure you keep your doors locked. My door is not locked right now. I just looked over. Uh, well, but every... Um, it's because every murder story that you read and all that information you gather informs you so that you know a little bit more next time. Right. But you can't do anything like that. China is, is, is being armed with nuclear weapons. You can't be like, well, next time I'm not going to yeah. hang out with China. Yeah. No, uh, I think they've always had nuclear weapons. Right. But like, eh, what are you going to do about that? Right. Anyway? Right. That's just posturing. That's the thing is, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. No. And that's but, terrifying to me. But in this, you can be like, if I ever get into a situation, right. you know, you, you, uh, it's, it's just being able to have your, like, your guard up better every single time. Yeah. And if something does happen, you know, you, uh, you at least tried or had some control over it somehow. Right. You're informed. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. Franklin Delano Floyd. Piece of shit. Peace. This is the uh, my favorite murder piece of shit series. <laughs> we Larry, didn't even mean Larry to do a Singleton theme. <laughs> and Franklin Delano Floyd. We didn't mean to do a theme. Top yet. two, yeah, that's that's a magical theme. Here we are. What Larry. if we just start matching up on like <laughs> like, like wavelengths of oh pieces of shit? 
<laughs> well, that was crazy. Yeah, that was a oh. wild ride. Oy. Um, well, anything to wrap up with? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Go buy a t-shirt? Yeah, that'll make you feel better. <laughs> After that shit show. Is that shitty that I just plugged our t-shirts at the end of this like <laughs> awful thing? What choice do we have? I know. Um, oh, keep sending us your hometown murders, even though we haven't read them. The number, the numbers game on that one is much more narrow because, um, you know, we sometimes don't even read them, but we are starting to make minis and uh having fun with them there so yeah. we will get to them we're making many episodes of your hometown murders i have to say i in reading them the ones that i do when they have a really good subject line when it's not just hometown murder it's like motherfucker gets buried or like some <laughs> funny thing i'm more likely to click on it um also when they're short and succinct yes. just get, get to the point that's key because yeah. you yeah and it's like in any good story like that just include the facts that matter yeah um, you can still be quippy and funny and oh my like and surprised and be yourself but i would say if you're passing up um the six paragraph mark yeah. we're um, it's going to be a t- we're going to have a tough time with it yeah yeah we can give people guidelines yeah, Ga- I like to call them guidelines. Gaglines? Guidelines. Gaglines. Um, yeah, but we love them and we're going to make, I think we're going to try and do many episodes, many episodes each week. You know what blows my mind is that there are just so many. <laughs> and people are just so excited to tell them. I know. Because no one's ever asked them, asked them that before. <laughs> no one ever asked them before. Yeah. Well, and also because you realize like you don't, uh, I've asked friends uh, and they're like, no, I don't yeah. wait a second. Yeah. And then they th- remember three. Yeah. Cause yeah, it happens a lot. Totally. Yeah. It's just like part of your identity. Rate review and subscribe on iTunes, please. Oh my God. You guys, we've gotten, we're in the top 10. It's crazy. We're, of comedy. We're in the top three. We're in the top three of comedy. That's nuts. That's insane. And it's because people rate review and subscribe. Yeah. That's you guys are doing it for us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes. And, um, it's fucking awesome. It feels powerful. I feel like I could get away with murder. (laughs) I guess above all, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Bye. Bye.